What's Brewing ATX? I'm your host, Jonathan Rackliffe, here alongside my awesome co-hosts, Greg Carlson and Ian Grossman. Hello, gentlemen. What's going on? What's crack-a-lacking? Today, we will be interviewing one of my great friends and clients who is a PE teacher for grades K-5 through at Wooldridge Elementary School. We both graduated from the University of Texas, and her husband was actually on our podcast last year. Uh, Mr. Tyler Nauman, who's the GM of Eberly Restaurant in South Austin. So I'm pleased to welcome his better half, Mrs. Tracy Nauman, to the show. Welcome to What's Brewing right, ATX. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, y'all. Welcome. Yes. To our guests, as a reminder, this is your one-stop shop for all things ATX, from tips on the food and beverage scene to developments in the real estate world, to interviews with local small businesses and those making a huge impact on our community, just like PE teachers. And of course, we feature a local beer, wine, spirit, or something you can drink each week to get your little taste of what Austin has to offer. As always, be sure to follow us on Instagram at What's Brewing ATX. Subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcasts, and give us that five-star rating if we deserve it. Be sure to stick around for the weekly brew at the end of the episode, where Greg, <coughs> excuse me, Greg's going to give us a little, give us a little um, update on what's going on in the Austin market. As far as what we're drinking today, um, I'll, I'll give it to uh, Mr. Ian Grossman to tell us where he stopped this. Well, morning. since yeah, since we're all virtual. Um, we're going to hit you with a new spot. Greg and I, as you might know, if you've listened to some of our podcasts before, we do a lot on YouTube and we do some local business spotlights. We tried a new coffee shop that's on East 11th Street. It's called Try Hard Coffee Roasters. Uh, it's about maybe half a mile down from Franklin Barbecue. And I, of course, went with some delicious cold brew. They have two varieties of cold brew. Um, Greg, you went a little bit. I mean, all I saw when he walked away from the counter was uh, a nice pink drink with a giant mountain of whipped cream at the top, which he was licking. I mean, yeah, it was a little weird to watch that, but Greg, what was that drink that you got? Why was it weird? You know, how else are you supposed to eat foam, dude? <laughs> you looked good doing it. <laughs> yeah. What was the name of that drink? It was, uh, I have it right here. You guys got to check this out because it was good. I wouldn't recommend it if it wasn't good. It was called the High Rider. Uh, hibiscus mint tea, pineapple, jalapeno, big swig, mixed with, and, uh, with some coconut cream foam on top. And it wasn't just a little coconut cream foam. It was a <laughs> lot of coconut cream foam. It was a lot. I can attest. Oh, it good. Yeah, definitely check it out. So check them out, um, not only for their, their drinks, but they homemade their, all of their tacos. And their pastries, they had banana bread, um, all sort like scones, all sorts of good looking stuff. And um, we didn't eat because I just had eaten lunch when I went there. But it's a good, cool little spot. Go check it out on the east side. Yeah, they were they're baking and brewing away in the back. There was about five right. or six people just getting after it in the kitchen. Yeah, Dang. I gotta make that stop the pit stop there. Um, but anyway, let's put the focus on our guest. Who we're thankful to have today um, during a crazy time right now, especially for teachers. Um, Tracy, I'm actually a former elementary school teacher as well. So I know what you're going through. And, and I'm sure that 
I mean, you and, and the rest of the school and no one was really prepared for what happened back at the end of last school year. Um, and I'm sure that's not why you got into teaching for craziness like that. But aside from the, the COVID stuff, which we'll get into later, give our guests or, or give our listeners a little insight as to why um, or how you got into teaching. Oh, my goodness. Well, I actually did not mean to get into teaching. It kind of happened. Both of my parents were teachers at some point. Uh, my mom was a Spanish teacher. My dad at some point was my PE teacher. And so I've always like valued education. Um, I'm actually still in school, but that's a whole other thing. So I've been in college for like 11 years. So I'm huge on education. And then while I was getting my master's, I realized how poor um, health and wellness is valued in school. So that got me into the realm of physical education. Um, now I am studying, I'm getting my doctorate in curriculum instruction because I want to teach PE teachers how to teach. Because unfortunately, we don't, not every teacher in physical education is a quality PE teacher. And we're trying to change that in the nation and in the world for that matter. Um, but that's, yeah. So I just became really passionate about it during like right before and during my master's. Um, I've always really lived a healthy lifestyle and I've always been super into athletics and combined those. And it was like, okay, let's, let's teach, let's do it. <laughs> awesome. Love that. So you didn't do it for the money. Mm. <laughs> I did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be here, that's for sure. Tracy, it's a good thing you got a sugar daddy. Oh, yeah, super sugar daddy. I'm already talked to though. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I mean, so what, out of curiosity, what did you teach? I taught fourth and fifth grade in different different years, but all elementary school. Um, yeah. It's a, it's a tough, tough job, and you're right. Not every PE teacher is, is equal. Um, I feel like there's a lot of potential. So it's, that's cool that you're pursuing that path for sure. Yeah. Ian, when you, when you taught, did you teach different subjects? I taught every, yeah. I taught all the different subjects. Some schools you teach one subject, different kids, one. but in all the schools I taught at, it was a little bit of everything. Yeah. Teaching is definitely the hardest job I've ever had before COVID. It is emotionally exhausting, physically exhausting in my position. I mean, everything about it is, it can be very rewarding, but it is very, very difficult. And I almost, I feel that it doesn't matter what career you go into. I feel like everyone should do a semester of teaching at a school just for life experience, because there's just so much that involves teaching that people have no idea about. So Tracy, what does it look like to be a teacher after this crazy pandemic that no one could have ever predicted? Like walk us through a day. Okay. So we just recently last week started our teacher in service. So usually in a regular school year, we come a week before the students to get ready and to prep our classroom and you have our meetings. And for me, I go with our, um, you know, our PE for the district meetings, all of that. So this year, what that looked like, everything was virtual. Um, you logged in and you got to participate in Zooms. Oh. Uh, and so for these next couple of weeks until September 8th, that's what we've been doing is we've been having virtual meetings, learning about what the curriculum's going to look like, 
what it is, what, so they're, we're doing both synchronous and asynchronous teaching. Mm. Um, Synchronous means live. This is the time, this is the schedule. And then asynchronous is we're going to give you the work kind of like a college class and uh, you're going to do it on your own. So the way that it's working for us and as of now, because COVID kind of changes every single week, I feel like, you know, um, we are planning on doing three days of synchronous learning specifically for PE. That means I will have, I normally teach six to seven classes a day and that's not going to change. So I'll do my six to seven and the kids will know how to log in. Now, do y'all remember, did y'all have Blackboard or Canvas? Blackboard. In college? Uh, oh, yeah. Blackboard, okay. yeah. So I had Blackboard. Now it's called, for AISC specifically, it's called Blend. So that's something else that we're having to learn because that is how we're getting all the information to the parents. Um, gotcha. So three days out of the week, we're going to be teaching that. Um, 45 minutes, 15 minute breaks in between, just like it would a regular course. And then on the other two days, we're planning, we're prepping, we're getting the blend stuff because that all is very time consuming. Um, For our regular teachers, it's kind of the same thing, but they will split up 90 minutes and they get to create kind of their own schedule of when they have the kids log on. But for PE though, so you... You also do it both, right? So you're you're in the class, actually. Well, I thankfully, and I'm very grateful for our district for this. So for now, everything is at home. So I don't have to be on campus even teaching. Um, so the way it's going to work is, yeah, like in a normal school day, the class, let's say fifth grade would come from 8 to 8.45. That will still be the, the slot. Um, it's just going to all be virtual. Like it's just gonna, they're gonna. So they'll play like if you have them that day learning basketball or something, they'll go and play basketball. But you're like, that is that is the tricky part, right? So again, I super grateful for the district and specifically for PE. Our PE people are on top of it. Like they have worked all summer since March. They've been working on how to modify everything that we're doing. So for example, one of one of our first like activity units is uh, throwing and catching. And so obviously, and especially like um, if you're, you work at a title one school, the kids aren't gonna have all this equipment just like lying around. So they have done things to modify like how to make socks into like a bean bag. And so that's all part of the teaching and using the things that you have at home that, you know, kids don't need to go and parents don't need to go worry about buying things because it's a lot to ask, you know, and we're, it's already such a shit show, excuse my language, (laughs) Um, having, you know, this COVID going on and you're asking parents to, you know, monitor their kids. Uh, So we're trying to make it as easy as, especially financially to just, so everything's modified. So with basketball, I actually haven't looked at that curriculum just yet. I'm sure yeah. it would be, we would give, I would be teaching examples with an actual basketball and then what they could use instead, like supplemental things. Get a, get a bowl from your kitchen. And, <laughs> I mean, the, you got to get creative. <laughs> you do, and, and in a way, 
um, it kind of forces not only the teachers, but the kids to be creative as well, to come up maybe with their own solutions to, all right, if I need to create a beanbag, but I don't have a beanbag, what can I use? All my socks are dirty. What can I use? You know? And I also teach a huge part of our AISDPE curriculum is incorporating health topics. So along with a sport topic, like let's say throwing and catching, uh, they also have a health one. So specifically the health topic that goes with that is cardiovascular. So there are things like that kind of thing that's more health. I will probably talk about to explain because, I mean, there's really advanced stuff in there. Like I... I'm like, I didn't learn that till college. Uh, So I'll probably be going through that. But then a lot of that, I feel like that could also be synchronous. And it's up to, it's up to me to decide what I just, even though we have the curriculum, what I am going to have them do on their own and what I'm going to actually have them do with me. So it'll be, I'm still navigating that on how that's going to work. Yeah. So if you don't mind me asking, just totally candidly, like, how do you feel about the way everything is handled right now at your school and really just across the board? So I'll start by saying that I don't have the answers, but I, I will just go, I'll be blunt with my opinion. Um, you know, I, nobody could have expected this. So I'm not blaming anyone. I am extremely happy that we have that they finally decided to do at least four weeks of distance learning. I do not believe that there is a safe way for all the kids and the parents and families and teachers to go back safely. Uh, Ian, you were a teacher. Kids have a hard time staying in line. Kids have a hard time. They are disgusting. They their nose. They sneeze. They're kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and going in person, it's like, realistically, you know, you yes, if we were able to put all these guidelines, awesome. Like this is, you know, let's all wear our masks six feet apart, no more than, you know, eight, 10 kids in a class. But realistically, I just don't see how that would happen safely. Uh, I think it is irrational to think that kids would be able to do that. And also like what kind of what kind of school and socialization is that to go to school, but not be able to be close to your friends. Um, And then I'm going to go back to the safety thing. It's just like, I see the whole school and something that they talked about was having, and they have not figured out what will happen once we go back in person. But for me, they were thinking of having me go from room to room to room. Well, that doesn't keep anyone safe because I could just take it from room to room to room to room. Yeah. Then if you have them go to the gym, well, now it's the same thing's happening. So I'm just not sure how that would look. So I think my personal opinion is that everyone needs to stay distance learning. I mean, call me crazy until we have a vaccine. Because by, by distance learning, you mean not coming into the school not face to face it's just it you're putting so many families at risk and i know that oh you know people say kids can't you know they can't get it or they're asymptomatic or whatever they've been saying different things about the virus and it's changed so much we really don't know and are we going to chance it i understand that parents are tired and they have to work but it's like at what cost at your child's health 
Like, you know, so I, I don't, it's, it's really hard. And I don't know if there's a right or wrong answer. But. I think there's several tough just topics and, and opinions that go into this and you're not going to please everyone. So many different views on it. And mm-hmm. I've gone back and forth, like putting myself in the teacher's position of would I want to be there? And at first it was like, absolutely not. And then I kind of was like, well, I see like my wife's a nurse and she has to go to work every day and she's pregnant too. And they put the proper equipment in place and, and protocols. Yeah. And she, has to go, she has to go to work and be around potentially, uh, you know, infectious people. So it is really tough. And uh, I don't want to open a can of worms about your point about your, when, what you said with, we can't expect kids to wear a mask all day. And like, I know realistically, like being in a classroom and expecting that is tough, but at the same time, like if that's what needs to be done, like if you have a kid, you tell them like you wear your mask all day because that's the rule, you know, like that's the rule. Totally. And, and I think there are measures to be put in place, but yeah, there's so many moving parts and so many, um, you know, we're in a country where people have a lot of freedoms and I think <laughs> yeah. put us in this position in the first place is that uh, it's not as strict as, as other countries where kids are back in school every day, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, no, absolutely. And that's the thing. It's like, it's, it's like, I get it. I do understand. I do get both sides. And first of all, congratulations on the pregnancy. Oh, thank you. Uh, yeah, no. And that's, I mean, that's probably, I probably should mention that part. I am eight and a half months pregnant. <laughs> I was going to, I was going to bring it up at some point. You can't, they can't see yeah. you, but. Um, I am eight and a half months. So with that being said, I am even more just, I could potentially, I mean, it'll probably be a couple weeks, but potentially by the time we are face to face, I could pop. And that's terrifying for me to that potential um, props to your wife <laughs> for still working because, you know, being pregnant presents a whole bunch of different challenges as far as like what you can take, what you can't. I mean, and I think that definitely has an influence on my perspective on it. Cause I no longer am looking at it from like just me, you know? Uh, but you're right. I, <laughs> There's just not a good solution, right? I mean, no matter what, one side is going to be upset. Exactly. And it is what it is. And like, I think that we're doing the best that we can right now. I know that our district is working really, really hard and doing the best that they can to put the protocols in place. I know that um, they have been working on painting what six feet is all around the entire school. And they're doing all of these things. Mm-hmm. Um, but my fear is just, does, I don't know. It's just not realistic to, I mean, I'm trying to think of how I would explain to a five-year-old how like you have to keep your mask and no, you have to stand right there and you're not allowed to be six feet. Yeah. Like I can help you. Well, like it's in, it's interesting, but, and I know it's different when you have a class of 20 to 25 kids, but like, we have a three-year-old and when we tell her to wear her mask, like every time we go in the store, she wears it, doesn't take it off. Yeah. That's, that's the rule, you know? Um, but you're right. There's, there's a lot of moving parts to it. You uh, present the topic of parent support. Yeah. So you're telling your kids and that would be great if our parents are reinforcing, uh, but like. Title one school that. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's tough. And then this is going a little bit like into, for myself, I'm thinking, okay, so I'm going to wear a mask all day while like running and doing jumping jacks. And I'm, I'm pretty sure, like, I don't know where I read this. Maybe I shouldn't quote this, but I'm pretty sure that like a kid, he died because during summer camp, he had a mask and he got dehydrated. So that's like a whole other element. And I don't know. It's just, I, there's just not a right answer. And like, we can just do the best that we can. You know, I, I think they've thought of, um, let's give the parent the choice. So I think that still might eventually be a thing. And maybe that, again, they're figuring that out. I do not envy our administrators right now. I'll put it that way. I'm like, don't envy it. Yeah. So, so to move, I guess, beyond the, the COVID talk, um, you said you have plans to eventually teach the teachers. Yeah. Um, give us a little insight into what that looks like and kind of what, what your career path will look like after you're done teaching elementary school. Okay. So I have been, I'm a, am I in my fifth or sixth year of my PhD? Something I'm, I'm foreign. Um, I've done my comprehensive exam. I am just about like getting into dissertation mode officially and I have two years to complete it. Um, did you want me to talk about the schooling aspect or just kind of after I get the PhD? Yeah. Whatever you want to elaborate on. So first of all, getting a PhD is a pain in the ass. (laughs) They don't like, I'll just leave it that simple, but I have to do research and there's a ton of like proposals and things that have to get the stamp of approval and defending. And then at the end you write, you know, like during this dissertation process, you write three, it can be 150 to like 400 pages of the data based on your research that you have conducted. And then there's people who read it and you have, you go into a panel and they question you on it and they tell you if you are a doctor or if you're not. And if they say no, that's that. <laughs> that's So it's not a guarantee, but my plan is I would really like to work at a teaching university. So you have research universities. That would be your University of Texas, your Texas A&M, those big schools. They really, really focus on actual research. And then you have your smaller universities. I would say like a St. Edwards, maybe University of Texas at Dallas, Rice that are probably, I don't know about Rice, but um, more teaching, more personal, smaller classes. And that's where I see myself. Uh, not because of the research or lack of research. I just, I, that personal connection to me is really important. And in a field that unfortunately is dying in a lot of places, I think it's really important to create quality physical educators that are going to go out there and, uh, you know, educate our future leaders and our future to live health healthy and an active lifestyle. Uh, So I see myself in a, in a, in a smaller school, but I've also completely open to being like a curriculum writer, let's say AISD, or I would totally do that. I think that that is super important and I really enjoy writing curriculum. So I've realized that uh, none of my plans ever go as planned. 
So I'm just kind of like going with with the flow and whatever happens, happens. Right. But um, that's the plan. I think I will be done with the PhD, hopefully between May and December of 2021. All right. Well, that's coming up soon then. And then school's over for a while. I don't ever want to go back. I never. I just can't. I'm like, I I wanted to go to med school. And then I told Tyler, I'm like, no, but that'll take too long. Yeah. Doke was on me. I could have been a doctor by now, y'all. <laughs> so, we'll see. We'll see. That's But that's the plan. And I could go into a whole different reasons of why a PE and I, yeah, I could go on. That could be a whole different podcast. (laughs) So professionally or non-professionally speaking, who inspires you the most? And do you have any, you know, good book recommendations or or anything that, yeah. Whoa, that is a really good question. Um, So I'll say my non-professional first, I would say, my inspiration is my great aunt, Julita. She lived like 103. She, yeah, she, so she was, when I was born, she was already almost like in her 90s. Uh, but she was super inspirational because she was, one, she was a very strong woman, very hardworking. She was like the first woman accountant for Pan American Airlines, which ended up being, I believe, American Airlines. Like, you know, so very, just somebody very, very successful, but also like the compassionate and most genuine, loving, caring person in the world. My second mother. So that is somebody that I always, even though she passed like eight years ago, it is someone that like every single day I'm reminded of, she inspires me. Um, When it comes specifically to my field, I would say a professor that I had, uh, Dr. Dolly Lambden, she's kind of like, I call her the goddess of PE. She, uh, I was very fortunate. She was like my program director during my master's and she's somebody that I've worked with and her daughter, real, she's a, her daughter's like one of the best PE teachers I've ever met. And so those are people in the field that I really look up to and I've learned a lot from, wow. I would say, as far as PE goes. It's awesome. What about outside of PE? Just curious, like, is there anything, do you like, do you like to read or podcast? Or oh man, like that? Y'all. So if you know me, I pretty much love anything crime and that has nothing do that has nothing to do with like anything she likes dark stuff too from like the more messed up the better okay well i wouldn't say that that's really inspirational but um yeah i don't I, i can't say inspirational i might yeah i can't but i do Things that I enjoy, everything that I listen to podcast-wise is not educational. That's fine. Sometimes it's just going to be a mindset. Up and vanish, those types of things. Oh, yeah. And, like, yeah, Crime Junkie and, like, Supernatural stuff. And, like, I'm that person that at the gym, I don't need hype music. I just need my messed up podcasts. (laughs) (laughs) I wish I was kidding. (laughs) If you see Tracy at the gym, you know what's going on in her. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. Like about Dak. Yeah. Like Tyler walks in, he's like, I there's only, you know, one person that I know that like 
gets their blood pumping with people getting killed and like that's cool. It's so funny. I'm gonna be a mother. Maybe you should have been a crime. You should have been a crime scene investigator. School would have been a lot quicker. Yeah, I think maybe my next <laughs> in my next degree when I'm all done with this, like yeah, it's never too late. <laughs> No, just kidding. Well, we really, really appreciate what you do. Um, of course, we have a high sympathy here for, for teachers, especially in this time. Um, but if there's anything else that you'd like to say as parting words to your listeners, you know, anything you care to share, um, now, now is the okay. time. I think I will end with saying that most teachers that I know want so badly to be in person. They do. Um, I think, you know, at the beginning of COVID, when kids went home, they were like, yes, teachers, like they need to get paid more like this and this. And I feel like now that, you know, teachers are like, oh, I don't know if I feel comfortable. You know, there's a lot of backlash. And I just have to say, I'm telling you, teachers want to be in person. They do. There's nothing more. I mean, it... (sighs) You just couldn't prepare for this, right? But with that being said, like, it is a hard job. We're doing our best. And we promise that, like, when we can, people will be in person. Like, people will be in person. Because I'm most teachers that I know, those passionate teachers, really are like, I would do anything to see my babies right now. Like, I would do anything to be in the class with them. And this distance learning thing yeah, don't get me wrong. It's it sounds great to you know be at home, but it's it, it's a lot of more work. Not, not starting a school year with kids that you don't know. No, it is. And a lot of us teachers really, I mean, we became teachers to make that difference, and I think that it's so hard. We're gonna have to find a different way how to connect with them, right? And that's really difficult because not only does like rapport is rapport good for them, but for us, like that's what we look forward to is making a difference in these kids' lives. So yeah, I just, I just want everyone to be safe and stay positive. And we're all, we're all doing our part and trying to, you know. Tracy, before we transition here, I've got a question because you know I was kind of a wild boy in school and I'm sure you've seen some things. What's the craziest thing that you're allowed to say that a kid has done in class that you've experienced? (laughs) (laughs) Um, like, are we talking like, uh, like, give me an example. Like what kind of wild boy were you? Because I've definitely been mooned in things like that. You've been mooned before? I've been mooned and flicked off at the same time. No, oh, and the kid it. was five. <laughs> a five-year-old moved you. <laughs> so funny. Yeah, right, yeah. So that's a good one. That's a good um, one. Yeah. So I've been, you know, I've been mooned. I've been flicked off. Um, I've been like. I'm sure you've heard all the words. In oh, the book. I've heard many words. Uh, the good news is, for some reason. The kids really like me, but they're kind of scared of me. So they don't really mess with me. It's it's kind of one of those things that a lot of teachers will send them to me before they go to the office kind of thing. 
<laughs> like they'll be like, you want to go, see, you want to go see Ms. Nauman? And the kid starts crying. So, <laughs> so it hasn't like this past year. Well, of course it got cut short, but like, I really didn't have too many behavioral issues, but I have had things like as far as, you know, saying bad words and cursing to peeing themselves because that happens. Wow. Um, <laughs> um, I'm trying to think what else. Uh, I have pretty, some, I have gross stories about like, not just pee, but like lice and <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I could go on. I mean, there's just so many realms, but I'm sure we all have the imagination yeah. for it. Slash, I've had runners, kids cool. that run away. Oh gosh. Yeah. No, no the morning story is good. That's that's really funny. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> so when I say I think it's unrealistic, now you know why. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I'm not gonna touch your pee. Like, nope. <laughs> What happened? You run away? Well, good luck, dude. Adios. Well, thank you again. And uh, that is a that's a good stopping point to end or sorry, to give it over to Greg for our what do we call it, Greg? Well, folks, it's time for this week's weekly brew, brew, brew. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, today we're going to cut with some market stats. Did you like economics in high school or college? Well, if you didn't, don't worry. I'll make this short and sweet for you. Well, folks, it looks like it's the month of July and August, and it's hot. So we've got our updated statistics. In the past 12 months, we've seen a drastic change in the Austin market. Okay, It looks like the median sales price has gone up 10 percent on the whole yikes 10 percent, right which is just absurd if, if you think about it because we've got this big old pandemic going on and we've got everybody thinking that the, the market's going down etc well it's actually quite the contrary um 10 percent's no joke uh if, if you ask me and let's talk about closed sales right uh we're up 21 percent since last year uh, of july 21 percent these numbers are are serious numbers, guys. What do you make of all this? I mean, this is just this is just bananas. What do you? What's your take? It's really hard to uh, purchase an investment property these days. I'll tell you that. Yeah, yeah, um, it is. It is. Um, now we talk about we talk about Tesla campus coming into town, and there's just a handful of communities uh, that are are you know around this median sales price. Um, it's my understanding, Tracy, y'all are moving in close to that new Tesla campus. Is that right? We sure are. And we're so excited. What went through your mind when you, you got the news? Because you were probably under contract before you knew the, about the Tesla campus, right? Oh, man. Yeah. So uh, when did we decide that we were going to – was it April, May, Jonathan? I don't remember. Uh, March or April when we first kind of started serious time. So we did not know that Tesla was going to go in, but I will just put it this way. When we found out Tesla was going to be really close to us, my eyeballs just turned into like dollar signs knowing that like (laughs) if we, I mean, we're not planning on like selling like 
right away or anything like that. But if we wanted to, like, let's say if we were like, you know what, we bought it, let's just sell it. We'd make money like right away. Exactly. It was there in that area that, you know, no matter, no matter what itself in two to five years, like you're going to see massive growth because there's so much there on that East side, but then you add, Tesla and other places that are going there and it's just and it's so insane because I still get I'm which I need to disable but I still get the Zillow and Redfin and like those you know notifications and I mean people need to get on it because the prices are not going down like no we I almost I feel like we signed or like signed and got ready for this at the perfect time because even like our floor plan has gone up and it's like yeah, that's just going to keep happening, especially once they're officially here. Yeah. It's, so, go, ahead. go ahead. I was going to say that I think that the crazier thing is the amount of active listings, the change in active listings and the change in pending sales, um, which we have the stats right in front of us. The active listings have gone down 32%. And the pending sales have gone up 32%, which means we just don't have enough inventory and everything that we do have, it's getting soaked up right away. Like we have 1.7 months of inventory. And if you've heard our podcast in the past, we've talked about uh, what, what a balanced market is, which is six months of inventory. We have 1.7 months. So sellers are, you know, taking full advantage um, that we need to have more inventory. So, and people are starting, it's starting to increase. I think this next month we'll see a little higher, but it's just crazy. I mean, Ian, you just put a house on the market last weekend and you had multiple offers the first day well, or second well, day, what's right? Happening and, and, you know, you can have your opinion on whether this is good for the market or bad for the market, but buyers are getting so worn out, you know, when they're competing, if they miss out on a house that they want two straight weekends, Weekend three, they're offering an amount that is way over what the house is actually worth, which you think in theory is a terrible idea. However, the market is moving so fast that if they stay in that house for, in some cases, in some neighborhoods, less than a year, they'll make that up. They'll make that value up. So um, again, we don't know what a year, two years, three years down the line will look like, but Austin is is continuing to grow. Big name companies are putting employees here, are putting money into Austin, and and I think it's only going to be a good thing from a, a real estate perspective. So if you're waiting, like Tracy said, if you're waiting for the prices to dip so you can jump on it, you're probably not in a good spot. Because in a year from now, it's highly likely that houses will be even more expensive than they are today. Yep. Totally. Well, folks, that wraps us up for this week. Weekly bro, 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 bro. Ian, take us out, player. All right. That's pretty good. <laughs> thank you for tuning in today. Tracy, again, thank you so much for coming thank on. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being a teacher. Obviously, we know that this is a, a tough, tough time, especially add on that you're eight months, eight and a half months pregnant, uh, makes it even harder. So we wish you luck going back to school. Um, and- Tracy, where can people follow you? Oh, my Instagram is Tracy Janelle. Do you want me to spell that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're gonna have to spell because you spell it differently. P R A C E Y J A N N E L L E. 
And that's probably the best place to follow me. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Sweet. Um, remember to subscribe to us on iTunes, wherever you tune into your podcast. We love a five-star rating. Um, be sure to check us out on Instagram at what's brewing ATX. That's all we got for you till next time. Thank you. Thanks, Tracy.